Welcome to Policy Today. Thoughtful discussion of current issues vital to the future prosperity of Washington State. Produced by the Washington Research Council. My name is Lou Moore. I'm the president of the Washington Research Council, and I'm here today with Chris Showbloom, who is our research director and staff economist, as well as Emily Makings, our senior research analyst. And today we're going to be talking about carbon taxation, about greenhouse gases, about reducing them, and and, uh, how that is playing out in terms of finding revenues with a $1.7 billion or so shortfall uh, in what looks to be our budget for this year. So, Chris, what is going on here with uh, greenhouse gas emissions and people wanting to reduce them? Yes. Well, you know, there are um, worries that accumulations of greenhouse gases in the atmosphere are leading to global warming. I mean, you can't pick up a newspaper without or listen to a TV news show without this seeing this discussion. What's distinctive about the um, the problem of global warming and greenhouse gases is that is its global nature. The uh, Damages from uh, from caused by greenhouse gases are not concentrated at the location at which um, at which the emissions take place. So, unlike the case with sulfur emissions and and other sort of things, there's very little local benefit to be uh, received from reducing greenhouse gases as compared to the local costs that would take place there. Um, these are naturally the sort of problems that are, are dealt with on a global or national scale rather than a local scale. We've seen the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, which has been working for over 20 years now at trying to craft an international agreement, um, an effective international agreement, and we haven't seen any there. Um, And there's been little action so far at the national level. Uh, We have some fuel economy standards and and some incentives for ethanol that are at times old as being good for um, the greenhouse gas problem, although the reality is somewhat different. Uh, And we've seen recent actions by the Obama administration to try and cut back on, create incentives to reduce power plant emissions from power plants. But still, there's very little little has been done nationally. Uh, Frustration with the lack of success at the national level uh, has led to a, a push to do something at the state level. Okay, but from what you're saying then, people uh, who emit greenhouse gases might be in Idaho, but the the gases might be measured here in Washington. In other words, there isn't a real close correlation between location and the level of pollution. The damage that the greenhouse gases are do, do is, is raising global temperatures, and that global temperature increase is felt globally. It's not like, um, um, the, I say, sulfur from coming from a smokestack where the major damage is just downwind of the, of the smokestack and the people who are breathing in, mm-hmm. in the air. In fact, you know, carbon dioxide is relatively benign to, to breathe. We thought. Oh, and it still is benign to breathe. It's to just, breathe, yeah. It's just potential effect on the global temperatures. Sure. Um, so what has happened in Washington so far? Well, so... Not a lot. In 2008, the legislature established goals to reduce emissions, uh, setting targets to reach the uh, 1990 level by the year 2020, to be 25% below the 1990 level by 
2035 and 50% below the 1990 level by um, 2050. But these goals had no enforcement mechanism. I think they're correctly described as aspirational goals and essentially meaningless. Um, as written. There are some other actions have taken place that would have effect on greenhouse gas emissions. There's the agreement to phase out generational electricity from the coal plant, coal-powered plants in Centralia. Uh, and then there's some other, other minor regulatory actions that have taken place, generally things, uh, actions that increase energy efficiency, like strengthened building standards and uh, adoption of California clean fuel standards for automobiles. Those generally are justified on on the benefits of reducing other sorts of pollution, and the reduction in carbon is a byproduct of that. Okay, but uh, other than some other aspirational goals that governments and uh, even people in their own personal lives have, tell us how we're doing on these uh, th- that first uh, goal to return to 1990 levels by 2020. How are we doing on that? Well, you know, it's a lot of good things have happened. We're actually in um, in 2011 as measured by the Department of Energy and uh, in common with the EPA, Washington's emissions were uh, 2.5% below 1990 levels. So is that mission accomplished? Yeah, not really. I don't. I think the advocates of, go, of doing more certainly don't think it's a uh, mission accomplished. Uh, projections are that economic growth between 2011 and 2020 will pull us up above the 1990 level. Uh, I think the, what's going to be happening with the Centralia coal-fired plants will actually then pull us down below it and then growth will take us up again. Um, all of these, you know, are, are forecasts and they're very... Uh, uh, hard to have a lot of confidence in the precision of them of the forecast for the future. You know, we generate a lot of our electricity from hydropower, and the amount of electricity we get from hydropower varies considerably from year to year, depending upon mm-hmm. how much rain and snow we experience. Absolutely. So it could be if we have a really good rain year that we might actually manage to hit the 2020. Uh, target uh, on the nose and if we have a really bad rain year we could be um, quite a bit over it okay so we're doing pretty well though i guess you would say with these goals so far what's next well so next um, we're seeing an effort to to do something that's called putting a price on carbon Two pieces of legislation are working their way through the system. Um, The first is a bill that's moving through the House. The second is an initiative, which is now being being written. Sponsors are are writing uh, and finalizing language on the bill. uh, House Bill 1314 uh, would establish what's called a cap-and-trade system. This bill was initially proposed by Governor Inslee. The initiative, which is advanced by a group called Carbon Law, has gone through several iterations. The most recent in December is Initiative 719, and this initiative would impose a tax on carbon dioxide emissions. So what did you mean by putting a price on carbon? In the 1970s, economists developed a powerful critique of the heavy-handed command and control techniques being then used to reduce pollution, particularly under the Clean Air and Clean Water Act. Uh, These economists argued it would be possible to achieve much greater emissions reductions at much lower costs if people who polluted were simply charged a price for doing so. 
This would provide incentive for folks to reduce their emissions. Uh, most importantly, it would decentralize decision-making, leading to more cost-effective decisions as to where and how to reduce pollution. Um, I must admit that I'm a card-carrying economist. What that means is that I've found somebody who's willing to pay to have a business card printed up for me that has the word economist on it. Sort We're of very happy to do that. It's the market test. I'm an economist because somebody's willing to pay. Um, and and I'm, I'm therefore sympathetic to the proposition that pricing is the appropriate tool for attacking the greenhouse gas problem. Uh, my difficulty with both proposals is I do not think that the state is the appropriate um, uh, level from which to attack this problem. If we go it alone, much of the reduction we achieve will be offset by increases el elsewhere. Uh, pollution will be moved, not reduced, and the local economy will be hurt. Uh, jobs will follow the polluting activities out of state. Uh, it's just much better, more effective if we attack this as a national or even better at an international level. Well, it's worth thinking about this just for a moment. So let's say we do attack it at the state level and this is implemented. There is going to be a little bit of a differential, isn't there, between Washington and other states as far as competitiveness to attract businesses and for businesses to do business here, depending yeah. on what their business model is. Is that right? Yeah, and, and it's it's not just between the uh, Washington and other states. It's international. You know, I was talking to a fellow in the, uh, one of the aluminum companies uh, a couple of weeks ago and he was pointing out that the main area in which aluminum production has been expanding recently in recent years has been in China uh, and they generate all the electricity by um, uh, from coal they actually locate the coal plants next to the Chinese coal fields this is this, they're using coal mined in China not stuff that's passing through the uh, ports uh, on the west coast here the Washington aluminum plants are using predominantly hydropower and uh, any increase to their costs could push that production overseas and actually lead to a net increase in the amount of pollution associated with, with uh, aluminum production. I had a friend a long time ago and he would have these forecasts he would give me or, or different things that had numbers in them and I'd say where'd you get that number? He'd say oh it's PFA I plucked it from the air. So so how do we do this uh, pricing on carbon? Is that going to be plucked from the air? I mean what's the methodology here to price carbon? It's I hinted before, there are really two approaches to, um, uh, to putting a price on carbon. Uh, cap and trade, as in the Inslee bill, and a carbon tax, as in the initiative. Uh, cap and trade is a quantity approach. The government sets an annual limit on the amount of carbon emissions. That's the cap. Uh, and then sells or distributes emission allowances to firms. Each allowance permits the firm to emit a certain amount of greenhouse gas. The firms can then buy or sell these credits according to their needs. That's the trade in cap and trade. So they distribute them. This is trading that ultimately puts the price on carbon. Firms that have a high cost to emit can buy less. Uh, this gives an incentive for the firms uh, that can lower their emissions to do so because they can sell their excess credit to other firms to generate more revenue. A carbon tax is a more direct price approach as the tax is the price. But don't let the words confuse you. If the government auctions off all of the allowances, cap and trade is as much a tax as the carbon tax is. 
Thank you. I've been calling it carbon taxation. I guess I have been accurate in that regard. Would you tell us about Governor Inslee's cap-and-trade proposal? Um, Yes. Uh, The active bill is House Bill 1314. It passed out of the House Environment Committee on the 10th of February and is now uh, at the House Finance Committee. Uh, The Environment Committee made a number of changes to Governor Inslee's bill, and the bill we thought of as very much a work in progress. Um, so I, I don't think we should get too bogged down in the details because there, things will change. But, but let me hear some of the, the important parts of it. As written, the compliance obligation uh, would start uh, July 1 of 2016. The Department of Ecology would set annual li- limits, which would tighten um, year by year and would hit the goals established for 2020, 2035, and 2050. Major emitters would be required to obtain allowances. That includes facilities which currently are generating, emitting uh, 25,000 or more metric tons of CO2 per year. Uh, Importers of electricity with 25,000 metric tons embedded with it. Fuel suppliers with supplying fuel, the burning of which would emit uh, 25,000 tons of CO2. And facilities that buy federal power in which 25,000 or more metric tons of CO2 is embedded. Now, I want to stop you right yeah, there. I want to stop you right there. Because I know what Just you're going to ask. Yeah, because we're talking about uh, metric tons that are embedded, and we're talking about these major emitters. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about a polluters list that's yeah. been created by the governor's office. So, People, uh, organizations like the University of Washington, evidently, yeah. are on this list of polluters. So tell us so, a little so more about If you read through this list, it sounds like they're just going after the big guys. Uh, but that's not really the case. The issue that they had in writing this is deciding who they were going to actually regulate directly and who are going to be regulated who is going to be regulated indirectly we're all going to be regulated by this it was uh, impractical for each individual homeowner to have to buy allowances for the natural gas that's uh, being burnt at the house and the carbon dioxide uh, emitted as a consequence uh, so what they've done is they're going to the national natural gas utility and forcing the natural gas utility to buy allowances for the for the uh, natural gas that you and I are burning at our own houses. Similarly, the for the um, gasoline that we burn in our cars, we don't have to buy allowances from that. But the person who supplies the gasoline to us, or the actually person who supplies the gasoline to the gas stations, who supply to us, has to buy allowances. Um, sometimes you'll get somebody like the University of Washington, which burns a whole bunch of natural gas, and so instead of making the utility buy allowances for the University of Washington's um, gas, the university itself has to buy it. So that's so when Let's you go. say we'll all be regulated, would it be more accurate to say we'll all be affected? Yeah, we'll, we'll, all, be, we'll all be paying a price for the emissions that uh, are due to our decisions to burn gasoline, to burn natural gas, to burn home heating oil. Uh, it, just okay. will, it just will be hidden from us. Got it. So the plan would be to auction off allowance four times uh, a year. There are a whole bunch of details on how you run these auctions that we just ought to ignore at this present time. The auctions are uh, forecast to generate a fair amount of revenue, about a billion dollars a year, uh, with the amount rising year by year by a certain amount. And just in perspective there, a billion dollars a year, how much is that versus the state budget? 
Oh, on an it is about basis? it is about a third of the state. A third of the, a third of the a third of the general fund budget. The uh, although I probably we should have be including transportation budget in this too. Yeah, so I didn't want to be, complicate things, but just give give people some perspective. So it's it's a lot of money. It, it isn't is a, a huge amount of money in terms of all the revenue the state needs, but it is it, a, significant a significant amount, amount. of money. Yes. Okay. The plan is to devote about 40% of this, the funds coming into transportation, about a 40% to education, uh, 10% to fund the working families tax credit, and 2% for, uh, and the rest for a number of other little, little pieces that we don't need to go into. Okay, so that's Governor Inslee's cap-and-trade proposal, yes. but there's also this competing way of, of uh, getting at carbon in society and taxing carbon, which is a carbon tax. It is a direct carbon tax. Um, yes, it's sponsored by a group called Carbon Washington. It's an initiative to the legislature which is an initiative which, if the sufficient signatures are collected, goes to the legislature for its consideration. If the legislature chooses not to enact it, it would then go on to the November 2016 ballot. The focus for the initiative is carbon fuels. Tax would be uh, imposed on fuels based on their carbon content. Beginning uh, July 1, 2016, again, uh, the initial rate will be $15 per metric ton. Um, this would increase to $25 per metric ton on uh, July 1st of 2017. And then every July 1st thereafter, the rate would increase by 5%. Uh, just for scale, a $25 per metric ton tax on carbon would translate into about a $0.25 cent increase in the price of gasoline. Okay, so this is going to result in our fuel costing significantly more money, a little bit more money then? Well, translate that for the, the working I, person. As I say, I say for gasoline, uh, the $25 um, um, tax that would apply uh, starting July 1st, 2017 would be the equivalent to about 25 cents a gallon of gasoline. Okay, so that's similar to a 25 cent a gallon gas, gas tax. Gas increase. tax, which, yes. Okay. Uh, it, it appears in the near term that the price of carbon would be higher under the carbon tax uh, than under the cap-and-trade proposal, uh, but this will re reverse eventually. The annual increases that we've baked in under the cap-and-trade are bigger than under the carbon tax. Under the Carbon Washington tax proposal, the funds that are brought in would be used for three purposes. Uh, first, they would fund the uh, working families tax exemption. Mm -hmm. um, second, they would reduce the sales tax uh, from the current state sales tax from the current rate of 6.5 percent uh, down to 5.5 percent. Third, they would reduce the uh, um, virtually eliminate the B&O tax for manufacturers who are the businesses that will be most affected by the carbon tax. Wow. So eliminate B&O tax on manufacturers, reduce the sales taxes sounds pretty good. But what is possibly a downside to this in terms of how this tax affects the economy. Well, it has it the same thing that I, I, I mentioned earlier on, both as with the cap and trade. It's a, it's a tax, uh, a cost that would apply here 
but not elsewhere, and it would have the effect of, of uh, sending economic activities to other locations where the tax could be avoided. It would focus a lot of uh, extraction of tax revenue from the energy sector, is that correct? Yes, it it, it, from the yes, ener- energy-using sectors. Is there any other legislative activity in the area that you wanted to talk about? Well, in the Senate, Senator Doug Erickson has several bills that incent carbon uh, reduction. One, um, and I think the key bill is uh, Senate Bill 5735, which modifies the uh, initiative 937 incentives uh, dealing with utilities, uh, creates an incentive uh, uh, so that allow utilities to uh, satisfy part of their obligations under um, 937 via investments that reduce carbon emissions. Second one is uh, Senate Bill 5325, uh, which provides uh, tax incentives for purchase of alternate fuel vehicles in commercial fleets. 5426 would require the Department of Transportation to seek bills for conversion of ferries from diesel fuel to liquefied natural gas. And, and finally, 5114 would provide tax incentives for the manufacture and construction of small modular nuclear reactors. So a lot going on. There's a lot going yeah. on here. Uh, so this, either one of these proposals, if it was enacted uh, as we understand it now, or even with some modifications, would be a big change in terms of both uh, sources of revenue, uh, but also where the economy is affected by taxation coming out of it. Is that correct? Yeah, and there's a difference between um, the cap and trade bill and the carbon tax. I think it's, it's worth worth mentioning. The cap and trade bill provides a, a new source of revenue for the for the state. So it expands the size of state government because of doing that. The carbon law bill, the carbon tax, really substitutes the carbon tax for uh, for other existing taxes. So it doesn't do as much by itself uh, to expand expand government. So that's another difference there. That's as another well. difference. And and actually when you were trying to trace through the effects on the state's economy, that difference might be very important. So we'll just have to stay tuned as we look at this gas tax proposal, as we yep. look at a revenue shortfall, as we look at the political pressure to do more about climate change. Both of these proposals are in the mix in, in one way or another. They may end up as an initiative. Uh, the Carbon Law is an initiative proposal. Uh, there may be something that comes out of legislature reflective of these ideas. So we'll have to see. Yes, I actually I've heard some speculation that the um, – the cap-and-trade bill is just really a draft for an initiative that would be on the ballot at the same time the carbon tax bill would be on. and that they're, Dueling carbon initiatives. Yes, yeah, taking advantage of the hearing process to get feedback on language and improve the bill. <laughs> well, I have to see. My name is Lou Moore. I'm here with Emily Makings and Chris Schobloom. We're with the Washington Research Council. Thank you so much for joining us today. Policy Today is a production of the Washington Research Council, dedicated to providing timely, credible research and policy analysis supporting economic vitality and private sector job creation. For more information, go to researchcouncil.org.